0: Well, if you are visiting or uh, just a guest with us today, we've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've never read it before, it's a fun one. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting, it's dark, it's confusing at times, and we have, uh, we've had a lot of fun and been challenged already working our way through the first seven chapters. Today we're going to cover uh, chapter eight, and he's going to take us right into uh, another um, controversial and, and difficult topic, but one that is really relevant. I told you from the beginning that this book is, is, is super uh, like earthy and like how do we actually live and and it's going to really rubber meets the road stuff and and so if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the book King Solomon is the presumed author and and uh is one of the um if not the uh richest and and most powerful kings to ever rule he certainly it was the wisest man outside of Jesus Christ to ever walk the earth and um and, and he spent some time walking with the Lord in his young age and then he spent a lot of years away from the Lord and and um really indulging his flesh in whatever he... um Wanted to try, and and this is sort of his uh, manifesto from that that lifetime lived, some with the Lord, some pursuing other pursuits, and and here's what he's learned, and so he's walked us down a lot of roads, saying, "Hey, you may be tempted to believe that this stuff will lead to life, but it won't. Let me show you. Let me tell you what I've experienced." And so the theme that we keep hearing is vanity. It's like a vapor. Anything you're trying to pursue outside of God to get meaning out of life, it it, it slips through your hands. And so as we get into these late, later chapters, you're going to see, uh, we're, we're going to move pretty quick through this today. Some of this is, is repetitive. Some of this is, is themes that we've already heard, and it can be quick, it can be tempting for us to sort of dismiss that and go, yeah, yeah we've already preached on that. And though I'm not going to major on it today, I think it is worth reminding, it's, it's worth um, noting that God knew what he was doing when he wrote his book. And so if he's repeating things, we need to probably take note of that, right? Uh, and so it might be a good question to ask, like, okay, yeah, you've heard this before, but have you applied it? Are you living it? right? And so as we hear things repeated in the Scripture, let us not roll our eyes and be bored, but rather uh, examine our hearts and ask the Lord if, if we have if yet let it sink in. And so today we're going to talk about government. We're going to talk about um, how does a Christian interact and engage with our government? What, what does that look like? And so um, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Um, Augustine wrote about government. He said that it is a necessary evil and that it is necessary because of evil. So he said it's a necessary evil that we've got to have, but it's necessary because we have evil in our midst. And most theologians in the history of the church have said that, that human evil is, is the reason uh, even though that human evil is the reason that we need government, even corrupt government is better than no government at all. The function of government is to restrain evil and to maintain, uphold, and protect the sanctity of life and of property. Um, we, we see in Romans thirteen it's a famous passage, and and we talked a lot. About, we we talked too much about this, like. We, we were kind of forced into all of this, these questions back during the COVID era. Do we do this? the government's telling us to do this? What, what's right? And, and gathering, it, it sort of brought all that to the surface, and not eager to go back there with you, trust me. But uh, nonetheless, it is important for us to know and to be reminded and continually be shaped by the Word of God about how we're to interact, how we're to engage, and where we're to trust. Amen? And so let's let the Word of God take us here. Romans 13 is uh, what I would consider in many ways a parallel passage to the first nine or 10 verses of Ecclesiastes 8 here. I would encourage you to read that um, uh, later. We'll reference a couple portions of it today. But, but it's a famous passage and it says, uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. So what's he he's saying right off the bat and we see um, Solomon is echoing that, hey, obey the king's command, right? Why? Because kings and, and governments, it really, it, it doesn't matter which form these governments take and that's really hard to swallow at times. But but uh, because we have we have Daniel even lamenting the uh, the, the evil that the kings he served under um, were, were putting into place, and nonetheless, while uh, naming and lamenting this evil, saying also that that God has put them there, and therefore we honor them rightly, and and we see that a couple different times in the book of Daniel, we preach through. Um, a year or so ago, he says, "That's God who removes kings and sets up kings. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will." So God puts governments in place for our good and to restrain evil. Okay, like and so it is actually like that's that's what we see from the beginning is that God has put these governments in place, whether it is a democratic republic, whether it is um, you know an actual monarchy, or whether it's Communist regime, like God has a plan, he's doing something, and he, is, he has put them there. And, and if you remember, if you were here for the book of Daniel, we see that sometimes God allows these nations to rise up under evil um, leadership to accomplish his purpose in a greater scheme that we can't see on the ground. We can't see, because we're, we're just faced with the trees in front of us, we can't see the, the, the big picture of the forest. And so we have to keep that in mind and keep that in submission. And, and we as Christians here in America have a unique place of privilege and opportunity uh, where we get to influence our government and, and we get to rule ourselves, if you, if you will, right? To, to the degree that this experiment is, is working. It's a really beautiful moment that we get to live in. And it would be wrong for us to not steward this opportunity rightly. Okay? So it's not wrong for us as Christians in America to, to engage with our political system, to engage with those in government, because he's like we, we've been given this privilege and this influence and, and much the way that the Bible says, hey, when God gives you money, it's not wrong that you have money, but you should steward it rightly. Other resources that you're given, you should steward them rightly. And so God has given us influence and, and prosperity as Americans and an opportunity to engage with our government that we should steward rightly. Amen? And so, okay, how do we do that? So um, I want to start and end by reading a, a quote from John Piper. And, and he wrote this to, in a sermon to his church years and years ago. And I thought it was really beautiful. And it captured the essence of, of what I would really hope for us as a church. And so I want to read this. It will be on the screen. I want you to just, just hear the, the picture he's painting. that I mean, We as Christians, uh, we have a, a, an opportunity to, to be the most free to be the most liberated people, because Jesus has made us so. Okay, So, so did you hear this, uh, we'll start here, and then we'll actually end here as well. Um, and so I just want to read this to you. He says this, I have a vision of the church as a people who are sojourners, strangers, exiles, refugees in this world. A happy, peaceful, loving people who swear allegiance to a foreign king, Jesus Christ, and to no other. A people who reside in every nation, but whose all-determining citizenship is in heaven, from which we await our King and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a vision of the church as the freest of all peoples in the world, free from fear and greed, because the kingdom to which we belong cannot be shaken, as Hebrews 12 says, and because our true fatherland is in heaven, as Hebrews 11 says, and the city of our destiny has God for its builder and its maker, Hebrews 11 again. And I see the church as a free people because our minds are not conformed to this age but are transformed by the mercies of God. So that we are not enslaved by fashion or fad or any form of covetousness. I have a vision of the church which is with strong desires, not shaped by the persuaders of this world, but shaped by the messages coming from the fatherland. Oh, for a church with a single and radical allegiance to the king who said, My kingdom. Is not of this world. All right, how do we get there? How do we how do we do that? All right. So the first thing, uh, th- the first thing that we have to re- acknowledge, we already talked about, this, is that God has put our governments in place. He has placed them there. We saw that from Romans thirteen. And so Solomon says, uh, <clears throat> "Well, I actually, I think how we get there is the gospel." And I think I, I meant to read verse one first because I think verse one actually reflects. Um, part of what John Piper was saying. He says, Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. Um, I, this paint this picture of wisdom has this um, impact on us that transforms us into uh, a soft-hearted, um, really even a kind-faced people in the midst of, listen, think about the cultural landscape, particularly in terms of politics. Anybody got kind faces? No, like we're all trying to tear the other side down, right? It is, it is one hundred percent. Like it, it's not about what we're for and what's actually good for people. It's about how the other side is is completely wrong and devoid of any logical thinking and devoid of any humanity, and they must be destroyed at any cost. Like it's this polarized and, and, and frankly, really toxic environment that we're that we're in. This tug of war between the right and the left that, and, and. and and man, it's harsh. And, and you could see that. I don't have to explain that. You could just see that in our, in our world. And I think it's worse on, on TV, right? As I actually talk to humans and people, right? We're not as divided, I don't think, as is, is what um, many narratives would want us to believe. But nonetheless, there is a harshness that goes on. He says, Solomon says, when you're wise, when you actually have a, a worldview that is shaped by God and a fear of God primarily, then man, we become a people who have a light about us. We become a people who are suddenly different than the rest of the world when it comes to these things. And our face is shining, and, and our faces, the hardness of our face is changed. So that's what we should long for. How do we do that? Well, he says, uh, first of all, verse 2, I says, keep the, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Now, this is one of the, the verses that has the most variations as I check different translations and different commentators. There's a lot of uh, different ways that this is phrased, and I think it, it can sound like it's saying... Uh, maybe slightly different things, but I think it's the same thing in, in, in different ways. The, the, the big idea is that God has put, as we saw in Romans 13, God has put these kings and these rulers in, in their place, and so we obey them out of an obedience for God. That, that when we obey our government and submit to its laws, that we're actually honoring God, that, that God has put them there, and so as we submit, we're actually honoring God. So my, my translation ESV says, because of God's oath to him, uh, yours might say something like, because you made an oath to God. And so in these uh, times, whenever nations would receive kings, they, they would come together and, 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 and make an oath together that they were going to honor that king, right? And, and so he's talking to a, a people and protect, uh, perhaps even people in his close um, you know, uh, service, even as the king. So this is interesting. It's written by the king about how we should interact with the king. This is a little presumptuous. But I think if you think about it being on the tail end of his life in a repentant uh, posture, I think it's helpful. Like we would we, we would love to hear some tell-all stuff from different White House uh, things about, hey, here's how you here's how you should interact with the king, or hey, I interact with the president, right? Here's how you should interact with these people in power and having these insights. And so that's sort of what we're getting, but there's some principles that we can draw out for all of us. And so he's, he's speaking uh, to his people and saying, hey, listen, don't forget God is the one that has placed us authority, whoever it is, whether it's himself, Solomon, or the one who's coming after him, or even if it's an evil king, that God ultimately rules over all, and he gives this, this world and its kingdoms to whom it will. And so keep the king's command, because God put him there. All right, so that's that's the first step. We honor the government and their authority as a part of our obedience to God. The theme throughout Scripture is that God put government and rulers in place by His divine appointment, right for our good and to hold back um, the evils of humanity. It's it's generally good for us. We see in verse five, whoever keeps the command will know no evil, uh, no evil thing, and and is. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Right? It's generally good for us when we obey the law. Like, it, you know, it, it's, it's, There's no reason for you to, it, it doesn't matter how stupid you think the speed limit is, like, just obey it. Right? Like, it's good for you. It, it's going gonna, gonna to keep you from getting harmed in multiple ways. It's going to keep you from receiving the punishment that is there. God has given the, these, these authority, the government authorities the, the power to wield the sword and to dole out punishment. And if we don't want to receive that punishment, we, we, we simply obey. And submit, right? Okay, so so that's the first thing we have to to keep in mind. But immediately you're starting to have questions, I'm sure. Like, what about this and what about that and how does this work? Is this a blanket command to obey under any circumstances or are there exceptions? And and I think that, you know, the Bible allows for what I will call sanctified resistance or sanctified rebellion to governments at at certain times when necessary. Um, We could put it this way. It is right to resist what God... It is right to resist what God has appointed in order to obey what God has commanded. So when there is a contradiction between our government authority and what God has told us to do, we obey God without any exceptions. Right? We side with him, we obey with him, and, and we simply say, as Peter did, like, hey, you got to decide what you want to do with me, but I have to obey God. It doesn't matter what your consequences are going to be, I have to obey God, I'm going to stand before him, he's my ultimate judge. And so when those two things are in contradiction... What God has called us to do and what the government tells us to do, we choose God. So there's exceptions in the Bible all throughout. Just a, a few noteworthy ones would be, uh, one, one of the most interesting ones is the, the midwives from Exodus chapter 1. right When uh, the, the Israelites are growing so vast and, and, and what the Pharaoh is, is fearful of, they're going to increase in power. So he says, hey, I want you to slaughter all male babies as they're born. And there's some midwives, that, that because, and it says because they feared God, didn't do that. And we know the story of Moses that comes from that. And then and, and we have uh, we have Daniel and his friends. Uh, the book of Daniel's famous for he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing up against evil uh, commands from the king and saying, No, we, we've got to worship God. It doesn't, you've got to do what you've got to do to us. Throw us in the furnace if you must. But uh, we, we've got to obey our God. We, we're going to pray to, to God and nobody else. It, it doesn't matter what you do to us. And, and so we have those examples. We have Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, right, where they're preaching the gospel, and they're told to stop preaching the gospel. And they go, hey, we can't do that because that's what God told us to do. You do what you got to do. You do what you got to do, but we're going to keep doing what we have to do, and we have to do what God has told us to do. We see Paul uh, consistently take the um, the punishment that comes from the local governments, being locked up in jail, being beaten and flogged because he is obeying God and not them. So we see Jesus Himself doing similar things. Like it, it, it it's 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 a relative command. But it's one that we don't want to run too much with that relativism. We need to make sure that we're entering into it with wisdom. Okay, So how do we do that? Right. Um, here's, here's just in, in summary, the big idea about government. Here's what we need to remember. There's no authority except from God. So even the greatest human ruler should humbly confess uh, that, that he is where he is, or they are where they are by virtue of God's sovereign appointment. Okay, It doesn't matter if they do that or not. God has allowed them to be there. Uh, next, some rules... Uh, and governments are good, and some are bad. Some governments reward the right and punish the wrong, as we see him mentioned later. Others do the reverse. Most, and the reality is, most do a little of both. Therefore, the demand uh, for subjection to governments is relative. It's not absolute. It depends on whether the demands of the government authorities require us to disobey Jesus. If they do, we will not be subject at that point, but we'll say with Peter, we must obey God rather than, man we will honor god above the state so how do we do that though okay i think we're all like we're all probably like yeah hey, like we're in like we're american we're protestant americans we're ready to rebel give us the give us the place right how do we how do we hold this intention where we're supposed to be subject or be you know live in subjection and honor the lord how how do we do that well solomon say it's going to take wisdom it's going to take wisdom so we're going to blow through the rest of this uh, fairly quickly with some principles for interacting with the government. The first one we're going to see, verse three, is pick your battles. Pick your battles. It doesn't. He's not saying that you shouldn't interact for change or engage or advocate for change, but pick your battles. He says, don't be hasty to go from the king's presence. Don't be hasty to get a new king. Don't be hasty to just leave and give up. But rather, to, and, and but he also says, don't take your stand in an evil cause, because the reality is the king's going to do whatever he pleases. So so don't just rebel for the sake of rebellion. Okay, because some of us that's just what we want to do. Like we, we have this nature in us where we're eager to rebel, right? And we're eager to to, to make it clear that we're not going to be ruled over, that we're gonna honor God above, you know, man, and so we're looking for any little battle to fight. He says, Don't 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 be that person. Don't be eager and don't take your stand just for the sake of taking a stand, and don't take your stand in a cause that perhaps isn't a close-handed issue that really it's not a hill you need to die on, in other words, right? Again, because we're American. We're children of a revolution, because we're Protestant, right? We're, we're people uh, that, that have rightly um, moved out of a system that was oppressive to the truth and to the flourishing life that God has for us. We have this in us. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are as a people. And I'm not, I'm not saying those are bad things, but I'm just saying we have to remember that not every, like it's not always a season to protest. It's not always a season to rebel. It's not always that time. So, we have to, to, to make sure that we are prayerfully, humbly picking our battles, choosing our hills to die on. So if we must resist, if we must engage, then make sure it's a close-handed issue that's worth our resistance and that will honor God. Okay? And, and, and listen, I'm not interested in rehashing all the stuff from two and a half years ago, but that gave us some examples of, okay, are these close-handed issues that we need to that we need to, to resist the government on, or that we may disagree, do we go ahead and, and do it? Like So we, we've lived it, okay? We've, we've gone through that, and we've seen people be divided. We've seen churches be divided. We've seen churches move, like people leave their church because of what their church did or did not have them do through all of that. So this is very relevant, very real, uh, you know, real-life application, and there's not going to be a verse and and, uh, a very clear command for every situation that your government puts before you. You're going to have to use wisdom as you engage with these things, as you engage um, with the laws that are doled out from our government. What do we do with them? How do we interact with them? And and we have to check our own hearts and motives. Am I wanting to resist and rebel just because I want to resist and rebel? Or is this a a close-handed issue? Is this a a line that I cannot cross um, without dishonoring Jesus? and So therefore, I have to take a stand. So pick your battles. Choose the hills that you're going to die on. Uh, Next, godly ends don't justify ungodly means. So the first is kind of about when you might engage in that way. Uh, The second is about how, right? How do we do that? So verses 5 and 6 says that whoever keeps a king's command will know no evil, And a wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, there's going to be issues that lie heavy on us. There's going to be oppression that lies heavy on us. There's going to be stuff that we know is wrong, and it's going to burden us, and we're going to feel compelled to just jump in with both feet. He's saying, listen, you need to make sure that just because you're pursuing a godly end, an end of righteousness, that you don't compromise your morals and your honoring of God in the process. So, so it, it, godly ends don't justify ungodly means. Okay, So we may be right that that leader or the person that put that policy in place has wrong motives and they will do harm to people. But for us to slander them for us to enter into a place where we're uh, you know, stooping to their level, if you will, or we're uh, cheating a system, or we're uh, whatever it may be. The idea is that keep honoring God even in your resistance. If you must resist in that way, you need to make sure you're doing so in a way that honors God. So, for instance, if there's things uh, you know, that are put forth by your government, some of which we may have experienced in the last couple of years, that you really feel like, okay, I, I can't go here. Okay, we, we, I had some conversations with folks, uh, let's say it, around the vaccine, right, or around masks. Okay, like I think you have that freedom as a Christian, you have that freedom as an American, but how you exercise that matters probably more than which side of that issue you fall on. Does that make sense? So how you actually exercise that freedom to say, I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to go there, what posture you take matters and speaks more to your faith and your honoring of God than oftentimes, which side of the issue you fall on, when it's these kind of gray issues that, that there's, there's not clarity from the Scripture on. Does that make sense? So, so sometimes there's going to be things that, that, that we're free to disagree on as Christians. And you may take your stand there, but how you take your stand matters. And so think about this. what message? Are, you may have the right cause in mind. You may have the right end in mind. But how you get there, what does that say about your God? how you got there what you're saying along the way what your heart posture is how, how do you treat people along the way how what does that say about your god so if you must rebel if you must resist honor god as you do so first peter uh verse uh, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is, it is uh, time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? And so he's saying, listen, make sure you may need to suffer. That, that's true. Like you may need to, to stand up and resist. And that very well could lead to suffering. But make sure you're suffering for the right reasons. Make sure you're suffering with Christ and not just with your own foolish cause. So godly ends don't justify ungodly means. There's tension in that, to be sure. We'll mention an example in just a moment. Uh, Verse 6 and 7 teaches to trust God in the process. The next point is that we should trust God in the process. So earlier in in verses 5 and 6, he said there's a right way to do this. Okay? Okay. Uh, and a wise heart will know the proper time and, 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 and will have discernment about when do you engage with these things. For there's a time and a way for everything, although a man this trouble lies heavy on him. So, yes, there's this pressure to do something, but there's a right time, there's, a, there's an effective way, and there's a wise way to engage, and you need to, to do that. And then as you're doing that, as you're honoring God in your right engagement and resistance, if necessary, then you need to trust God in the process, even though that trouble is weighing on you heavily... Don't compromise your morals. So in essence, what he's saying is keep honoring God. Even if you don't get the results that you think you should get. Okay, so you may see an issue. Take your stand and think that that should lead to this change. Well, guess what? He said earlier, verse 3, King's got a lot of power. He does whatever he wants. Okay, we have influence in our government, but it still takes a long time to change laws. So, In the meantime, if you don't get the result that you want, don't then compromise your morals and go, you know, see previous point, right? Don't go back to dishonoring God just to pursue your means. Keep honoring God in the process. Trust him along the way. Know that there's a right way to approach this, man. Study the civil rights movement from the 60s. Study the way that that so many people, like there's a very clear, like very clear uh, Here, from our angle, it's very clear what was right and what was wrong from those day and age. And yet, so many people gave their lives to silently, humbly protest and to use their voice in the political system that they found themselves in to speak up for what was right. And sometimes that led to them being beaten and flogged and fire hoses turned on them. And I'm not saying every one of them live righteously, but as a whole, there's some really great examples of of trusting the process, engaging rightly, taking the high ground, and trusting the the right way to engage with political change. I think Solomon's saying, listen, there's a right way to do this. And it may not, it's not gonna feel right. He says later, like, because we don't uh, dole out our sentences swiftly. We're tempted to to do evil, right? Because it takes time to to get these things in place. We're tempted to then stoop to their level and and fight evil with evil. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep honoring God. Keep trusting God in the process. Look for the God-given time and the process by which to do the right thing and at the right time for the right reason, right? And so this is true, really, if you're at home, you're on the job, you're at church or in the government, look for the godly way provided by God to work for the change that you believe is right, okay? And until or unless that change happens, don't take matters into your own hands in an ungodly manner, okay? Humbly seek justice, humbly seek change without using wickedness to overthrow wickedness. So practically speaking, if you're an abused wife, call the police, okay? and work through the legal channels that are available, you, you, you should 100% do that. You should let us know as elders too, like we, we want to love and serve you at, from church standpoint, but the, the, the civil authorities have been given the, the sword on that, so we want to use them, and we would encourage that on our end as well. If you're an employee who's being treated unfairly by your boss, you can work through the chain of command, or go to HR, or find another job, right? Um, if, if you don't like something your government is doing, you're free to work through the legal channels of free speech and political engagement for change. And here's, here's, if Jesus himself could live under the rule of the godless Roman Empire, even paying taxes with coins bearing the emperor's face as a god, okay, if Jesus can do that, that's good reason for us to find a way to work under the rulers over us. Okay, and you know, there's famous stories in the gospel, um, one in particular where they're trying to, to you know, pin Jesus down and get him caught in the middle of an issue that will get him in, in trouble. He says, Hey, you know, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to pay taxes or not? Like, we're supposed to honor God, but the, these taxes, the, these coins, they, they're honoring Caesar as God. And, and, and Jesus goes, give me, give me one of those coins. He holds it up. He says, Whose face is on this? Caesar. He says, Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's. What's he talking about? What bears God's face? What bears God's image? Go ahead. We do. That's right. So, uh, so Jesus is saying, This is a doggone coin. Who cares if Caesar's got his face on a coin? Give him his coins. Give me what's mine. Give me what's mine. My face, my image is on you and your souls and your hearts and imprinted there. So, you give me your life. Give him his coins. Don't don't make that a hill to die on. Just give him his coins. Pay the taxes. Right? But keep giving me your life. Right? This is this is where we really get like, like, okay, Lord, we get crunched into these. Okay, but what about this? What about that? Here's the deal: there's a possibility if not even a likelihood that at some point in our lifetime, maybe maybe sooner than later, like the church might lose its tax-exempt status. Our church might lose its tax-exempt status because of our views on marriage and gender. It's likely. It's possible at least. What do we do? What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We keep giving. We keep worshiping, and we keep giving. Take more of our money. So what? Right? We're going to keep serving the king? You don't get a tax write-off? okay. Praise God, we get to suffer with Jesus. That's a pretty minor thing, right? We keep giving, right? We might might lose a little bit more money on the deal, but we keep worshiping. We keep pushing forward with what we know is right. We don't need to die on those hills. Does that mean we don't care? We don't use political, like we don't use our votes to affect that back to the way we think it should be? No, by all means, use use the right legal channels, the right uh, democratic channels to influence for change. By all means, do that. And if I haven't said this, if I don't get back to it, if you feel called to be rightly engaged in politics, this is not to say that that's wrong. We need godly people engaged in our government. Amen? So like, we don't want to discourage that. We're just saying there's a right way to do it. There's a way to honor God while you do it. But there's a lot of tension that's going to come, and we're going to need a lot of wisdom to walk through that. And along those lines, verse the next, the next point is don't be corrupted by corrupt power. Don't let corrupt power. Don't be surprised by it and don't let it corrupt you. So verses 8 through 11, he says, listen, power corrupts oftentimes and it's going to lead to some hard things and you're going to want to rise up and meet that evil with evil. But don't, don't do that. Verse 8, he says, no man has a power to retain the spirit or, to pr- or power over the day of death. There's no discharge from a war or, or no, no will wickedness d- deliver those who are given to it. All, those I, all this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt, what in the world? Right? He says, like, "What in the world? This took me a lot of like what, what is he saying? Here's the context here. what he's saying: Nobody has the power to retain the spirit. Like what he's saying is in these realms of, of, of power, in these realms of force. Uh, and influence and authority, there becomes this current, there becomes this this, this movement that's really um, bigger than each individual candidate. And so we shouldn't be surprised by the corruptness that happens in these positions and in these places of power. And we shouldn't be surprised when the people that are in them don't execute perfectly or even get swept up into the corruptness. Because what he's saying is, listen, when that kind of power exists to rule over that many people, there's a very high likelihood that it's going to corrupt the the hearts of those that are in it. And so in those moments, we shouldn't expect them to be easily broken free from that. And so he's, he's saying things like, listen, uh, when the war's going on, nobody's just sent home. There's no discharge from, from war. Like, you might get discharged from the army when, when there's peace going on, but like, no, no, there's the thing of a battle. We, like, we need, and so there, there's no exit ramp, is, is kind of what he's saying. And nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. So people that have stepped into this place of, of wickedness, if they've stepped into politics or power or government uh, for their own wickedness, man, we got to understand that that's a stronghold. It's only going to be broken through prayer and, and the Lord showing up in their life. Like we, we, and so we have to have that in view. And man, I think that partly informs why we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Is knowing that they're going to be gripped by these, these temptations, these opportunities. Um, and so he's saying, listen, there's, there's not a lot of exit ramps toward righteousness from these places of power and influence. It's a very real draw that goes on there. So, we, we can acknowledge that. We cannot be surprised by that. And then we can guard our own hearts from being drug into that. Okay, uh, There's a story um, of da- King David. Um, and, and if you know the, the narrative of, and the trajectory of David's life, he's, he, he's, uh, he's anointed as king. Uh, that he'll be the next king as a, as a young man. But then there's seven years before he, he actually takes the, the throne. And in those seven years, some crazy things happen. He kills Goliath. He gets a lot of popularity. And the king that's in power, Saul, gets really jealous. Again, power corrupts. He gets really jealous, and he gets really fearful that David is going to take his power. And so Saul turns on David. Even though David has done all this for the good of the kingdom and has helped Saul's cause, and David himself isn't after Saul's throne Right, he's he's in a position of humility and just letting the Lord guide his life. But but Saul turns on him, and Saul sends um, armies after David, and David ends up living his life. Though he's been anointed by God as king, uh, he ends up living his life in caves, hiding with his men, and that's not a fun life. Right, that's not just a good long camping trip. Like he he is, is is anointed as royalty, but he's living in caves. And there's two occasions where David could have taken Saul's life. One of them is quite comical. uh, Saul has stepped into a cave to pop a squat and relieve himself, and uh, David's got the drop on him. Like, he's right there. And David's men are like, hey, hey, you can kill him. You, You got this. And David goes, I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. That's not my place. Yeah, the guy's a whack job. He's evil. He's hunting me. But that's God's man, and I'm not touching him. So what does he do? He <laughs> sneaks up behind him and cuts a little bit of his cloak off. Just to show him later, I, I had to drop on you. I could have killed you. But I didn't. Right? This is a great example of how we don't let cor- corruption corrupt us. We don't let evil uh, in positions of power corrupt us. Right. Like we, we stay in a posture of humility and service. Right. And so it's a beautiful example. It's really hard. It's easy to talk about. It's easy to cheer David on. It's, it's difficult in the moment. Uh, next point, recognize the limits of government. Even the best of governments recognize that they have limits. Um, verse 14 says, There is a vanity that takes place on the earth, and there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. We looked at this last week. And the wicked people, to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. And I said that this is also vanity. He's saying, I've observed all of this, and a lot of times, like, sometimes there's, there's leaders that honor the right thing, and sometimes there's leaders that honor the wrong thing, and people who are righteous and have given their life uh, for, the, for the good, end up being treated evil. And, and people who have who've done evil end up getting rewarded by that. And so uh, governments are, are in place to restrain the movement of evil, to keep us from totally destroying ourselves. But the reality is even the best of governments are limited in what they can do. And we need to re- remember that and, and understand that people will use their power to hurt others. Even though God has put government into place, it won't be perfect. Okay, Spoiler alert. Doesn't matter how the next election goes, it will not lead to utopia. It's not gonna happen. Okay? Um, Getting the right person, right person in the White House, it, it can make a difference. For sure. Right? They can do a lot of good. They have a lot of influence there. But we need to have right expectations about what they can and cannot do, and operate wisely with those realistic expectations of what power can do, and keep that in mind. Okay, So we just need to go in eyes wide open and not be duped into thinking that, that this next candidate is the Messiah. No, Jesus is. And he's given us these, these people in power to do their job, but man, they have their place, and the church has its, and we need to make sure we're focusing our efforts rightly. Verse 12 and 13, and then we trust God in the process earlier, we need to trust God in the end as well. Verse 12 and 13 says, though a sinner does evil a hundred times, well let's start in verse 11, he says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not ex- executed speedily, the heart of children, heart of the children of man is set to do evil. He's saying there's tension of when we don't see justice play out the way we want, we're tempted to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, it prolongs his life, yet I, I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I, I know that there's going to be, it's going to look like the evil have prospered. It's going to look like they've gotten away with their deal. You've got to trust God that he'll dole out justice in the end. Right? So though an evil does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, I know that it will not be well with those. Psalm 73, we referenced this a few weeks ago too, the Psalm of Asaph where he's observing all, like he's trying to honor the Lord and life's not going great for him and he's in this depression uh, and he's looking at the rest of the world and he's going, listen, they don't, give, they don't give a rip about God and they seem to be getting blessed. Their life's going great and it's, it's causing a depression. Spo- like, pro tip, that's what Facebook does to you. That's what Instagram does to you. okay lead you into this place of depression because you feel like your life's going this way, not so great, and you see everybody else's highlight reels, and you think, oh man, my life's terrible. Asaph can relate. Read Psalm 73, and here's what he says. He begins to get really frustrated. He begins to get really down. He considers walking away from the Lord, but then he says, and then I considered their end. Then I considered, how's this going to end for them? And how's it going to end for me? And Solomon says, listen, it will not go well. You may think it's going well for them now, but I'm telling you, those that fear God, that's who it's actually going to go well with. Verse 13, it will not be well with the wicked on the last day. God will handle justice. They will not live forever in prosperity. God will put them in their place. He will dole out justice. Hell is awaiting those who don't receive their justice on this side. Like, God has this. We need to trust him for the end. One day, there will only be one throne. One day, there will only be one ruler that sits on that throne. And one day, every single knee will bow before that throne. And his name is Jesus. His judgment doesn't need to be questioned. His judgment doesn't need to be considered. It doesn't need to be helped by us because on that day, justice will be served both to the rulers who fail to serve it in their place. They will get their judgment and to those who appear to have gotten away with it here on earth. So you don't need to vindicate your cause, your belief, or your candidate. We do our, our best to seek justice in ways that we can right? That doesn't get us off the hook from doing justice and engaging in the political system. No, we, we should still do that, but we do it while keeping our heads because we trust that God has the end. We don't have to lose our minds over what happens now because we trust that God will make it right in the end. That's a theme throughout throughout Ecclesiastes as well, as consider the end, understand how this ends, and that will inform how you live in the present. Okay, lastly, don't let politics dominate your life. Okay, don't let politics dominate your life. Verse 14 says there's a vanity. <laughs> there's a vanity to watching Fox News or CNN all day. There's a vanity to it. Don't let it dominate your life. There's a vanity that takes place on earth. There are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. There are wicked people who happen according to the deeds of the righteous. We've seen this. He's already been there. Here's, his, here's what he's saying. That stuff's going to happen. It's never going to be perfect. It's always going to be hard. So here's his advice. I commend joy. Well, which, which political side are you on, Solomon? Which station should we watch? You're a Fox News guy You're CNN? Huh? What is it, Solomon? He says, Joy. I recommend joy. Those are, those are going to destroy you. Here's what you have as the people of God joy. I recommend joy. I commend joy. For, for a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat and drink and be joyful. Enjoy your life. Don't let this destroy you. Don't let this consume you. There are people who are so worried about the next election and what's going to happen and, and, and what's going on over there. What's going on in DC? What's going on here? What's going on? And, and they and they can't even enjoy their kids. They can't even enjoy their family. They got Fox News on during dinner. They got it, they got it on here. They got CNN blowing on their way to work and they get to work and they're just angry about life. And you're like, why are you so mad? And we're like, well, this and this and this. And you're like, I'm sorry, I just brought you a cup of coffee. And and you're just angry. It's not good. He says, hey, you're the people of God. Eat, drink, enjoy life. It's okay. God's got this. God's got this. Enjoy your life, for this will go well with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. God has a purpose for you that is bigger than politics. Even if you're called to politics, do good for the kingdom, but don't do it at the cost of your family. Don't do it at the cost of your joy. Don't do it at the cost of your honoring and your worship for the Lord. Solomon says, don't don't let it don't let it destroy you, like. Figure out how to enjoy life. Figure out how to turn that off. Some of you, this may just simply be editing your phone's preferences so you don't get an alert every time some jackhole in Washington says something stupid. You don't need need to be alerted about that. It'll suck the joy and the life right out of you. Read it tomorrow. Set aside a time where you're going to read. I'm not saying don't be engaged, but put boundaries up. Okay? Okay. There's tools for this. You can can channel all that into your email box and and give yourself a a portion of your lunch hour or whatever, read that stuff, and then spend some time praying, surrendering it to the Lord, and then go back to your day. Yes, vote wisely. Yes, engage well. But don't let it consume you. It'll destroy your life. God's given your life as a gift. Don't destroy it. Verse 16, when I applied my heart to know wisdom and see the business that's done under the earth, how either day or night, <clears throat> neither day or night, no one's eyes sleep, right? This, this, if you just get in this tug of war, there's no rest for this. Then I saw the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that's done under the sun. However much man uh, may, may toil in his seeking, he'll not find it out, even though a wise man claims to know. He can't find it out. I think there's some... I I thought about going into some end-time stuff, like don't try to connect the dots between the government and how close we are to the end. Listen, Jesus told us we don't know. We don't know. He told us what to do. In the meantime, let's do it. Let's worship him. Let's evangelize. Let's advance the kingdom. When he's done, when he's ready to come back and bring this deal to a wrap, he'll do it. In the meantime, he ain't here. That means we got work to do. Don't get caught up in all the, the, the... Connecting all the dots and get out your flannel graph and will this... No, just... It's worship. Okay? Live as though he's coming tomorrow. Right? Don't let it consume your life. Trust in him. Back to what Peter said. We're subject to authority. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, be subject to for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, or to the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, or to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you shall put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We should be, this is written to the church, we should be a people who rightly engage with our government, and as doing so, it causes other foolish people to go, hey, they don't seem to be as crazy as the rest of us. What's going on there? I should go to church. Those people seem to be more grounded. They seem to be more level-headed. They seem to have a joy that's not uh, tossed to and fro by the political ups and downs we should be people put to silence the ignorance of foolish people because of our trust in God. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Don't use your freedom in Christ to actually be full of nonsense online or in the political realm. Use it to be servants of God. Honor everyone, as Peter says. Honor, honor everybody. They're all humans. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You want to go deeper, figure out who the emperor is when Peter's writing this. Okay. John Piper says, I got a vision for the church. There's a people who are sojourners, strangers, exiles, refugees in this world. A happy, peaceful, loving people who swear allegiance to a foreign king, Jesus Christ, and to no other. A people who reside in every nation, but whose all-determining citizenship is in heaven from which we await our King and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a vision for the church as the freest of all peoples in the world, free from fear and greed because the kingdom to which we belong cannot be shaken and because our true fatherland is heaven. And the city of our destiny has God for its builder and maker. I see the church as a free people because our minds are not conformed to this age but are transformed by the mercies of God. So we are not enslaved by fashion or fad or any other form of covetousness. I have a vision for the church with strong desires, not shaped by the persuaders of this world, but by shaped by the messages coming from the fatherland. Oh, for a church with a single and radical allegiance to the king who said, my kingdom is not of this world. Listen. The only way to rise above this stuff is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a way for you to inherit a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what we celebrated in communion earlier, that Jesus gave himself for you and I. The gospel is what gives us a light load that doesn't wear us down and crush us into the dirt like the world's burdens do. Jesus takes that from us and gives us freedom, gives us life. You can have that in Christ. If you don't yet have that, man, that's the biggest offer that we can have for you. That's the big E on the eye chart. We want you to know that that is where we start. The Bible says if you confess that you're a sinner, you realize you need a Savior, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is that Savior, and you give him your life, it says you'll be saved. You can do that today. You can be set free from the burdens of this world by trusting in Jesus. We would love to walk with you and pray with you through that as we move into a time of response. We would love to pray with you. If, if, if you have other burdens going on, we're going to uh, have a, a final song and we're going to worship together. You come. Uh, the altar's open. Um, you, can, you can pray there by yourself or we'll be, uh, Chad and I will be on either side. We've got other group leaders. We'd love to pray with you. But let's make sure we're checking our hearts and motives, not just going, yeah, yeah, I know that. Ask yourself, are you living that? Are you living that allegiance to Jesus? Are you living in the freedom that he's purchased for you? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word being so practical and so helpful, and I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and lead us to a right relationship with you first and foremost that then flows over into how we relate to this world and its governments and all the things that that we have to deal with on a day-to-day. Shape us by your spirit. May your spirit uh, hide The word in our hearts, may it penetrate deeply and loosen up chains. Father, I believe your power is far beyond just political interactions today. There there may be people here struggling with um, addiction or fear or guilt or shame. I pray that your spirit would dole out freedom to them this morning. That you would move well beyond the scope of the words of this message and into the hearts of the people that are sitting in this place. We ask and hope it in Jesus' strong name. Amen.